I speak to you in the name of God, Father. Not working. St. Francis is one of our top ten saints of all time, no question, and uh, he's entered public consciousness. I mean, he gets referenced uh, in our culture, and there's an expectation that people will know who he is and what he stands for. Um, I remember a joke that I heard played on the CBC for the general Canadian audience about the absurdity of modern lawn care and the, 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 you know, the fact that we, we fertilize it and we grow it and then we cut it and we throw it in plastic bags and we take it away. And, and it, it is absurd. And so the way that they highlighted this absurdity was a conversation between St. Francis and God, where St. Francis is explaining to God all the logic behind all the things that we do. And God is quite bemused. I thought I'd just let them grow things, and um, and what's this all about? Well, it's, is it good to eat? Well, no, I, 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 you know, it's not good to eat, and so the joke went. But the important thing was, the 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 producers at the CBC assumed the cultural reference point of Saint Francis, who is an ecological figure, um, who might talk about the values of uh, of the ecology uh, and of the natural world in general. Um, the, there, there's a, uh, which is a good thing, but there's a problem with it. So I'm, I'm going to weave a little course here in terms of engaging with St. Francis, which is what we're called to do this morning. So if we're going to really engage with St. Francis, the first thing we have to get away from is the sentimentalism which usually wraps him you know, in a nice glass case and has him as the icon of all things natural and good feeling. Because uh, it, it seems to me, and certainly m my experience of relating to St. Francis in that way, is a sentimentalized St. Francis allows me to feel good about my own feelings. Oh yes, I like nature. I like trees and flowers and fresh air and the air after a rainstorm, and I have those feelings, so therefore I'm a good person, and then I get on with my fossil burning car and my plastic smartphone and all the rest of my life, which bears no relationship to the actual a thrust of St. Francis as a human being. And so the first thing I want to do in your company this morning is try to get past that sentimental vision of St. Francis. Um, you know, the, the, and, and the sentimental vision of Francis is tied with the St. Francis of legend as opposed to the St. Francis of history. Because the St. Francis of legend, the most famous legend, is the Wolf of Gabillo, where a wolf is terrorizing a town and snatching the babies away in the night and all the rest of it. And St. Francis comes to the town and he's a holy man and they beg him to do something about it. So he goes to the woods and has a conversation with the, with the wolf, comes back and says, the wolf is just hungry. So if you feed it, it won't eat your children anymore. And they went, wow, we never thought of that. And so they fed the wolf and the wolf became friends with the town. Right? And so there's this, it's a wonderful story, but it's a sentimentalized story and it's a story about domestication. Um, which is what we want to do to Francis. We want to domesticate him. But when you meet Francis in the flesh, in the actual historical accounts, he is a wild wolf. He is not about to be domesticated. Um, the historical St. Francis was a young man of prospects, went and served military service, came back from that, 
again, back to his wealthy father and renounced everything, his inheritance, his family, his position in society, and he famously, you know, tore off all his clothes and walked naked down the streets of his town into the bush, saying, all of this, including the clothes on my back, is part of this corrupt rat race society, and I'm not going to have any more of it. I'm just going to go be with God. And so he sat down in the woods as a beggar and a hermit. And that's what he did for the rest of his life. And soon the word got out, and he's pretty special and pretty holy, and he got followers and created a movement, and now you have Franciscans to this day. But it started with this radical, extremist renunciation of everything that we are, civil society, civilization. And so they, if, I, if I don't domesticate Francis, then that protects me, for example, from recruiting him to the service of the climate crisis. He'd be a great mascot. Francis, go stand in front of the march. You know, the earth is burning and blah, blah, blah. And the, the, the thing about Francis is that if you really take him seriously, the problem with the climate crisis is not the world. The world's going to be fine. It's human civilization that's threatened. And Francis didn't have much time for civilization, you know? So there will be humans on the planet, even if civilization declines, we'll be primitives, but that's fine, we'll, the species will probably survive, but what we will lose is all this culture, civilization, memory, uh, and, and, and so on. So if you care about civilization, Francis is a really, not a, not a natural mascot for that sort of thing. Because Francis puts a great big question mark over everything we do as ordinary people. And, and that's when you start really meeting Francis, seriously. And the reason he was preaching at the birds was because nobody was listening to him out of the human beings. So fine, I'm going to go preach to the birds. They might listen a little bit more than people will. Um, and the reason that he talked about brother sun and sister moon was because of that radical renunciation of civilization allowed him this kind of mental space where he was able to appreciate that he was a fellow creature of God with all of the natural things around him. I am a creature, the tr this tree is a creature, the sun is a creature, then we are all created by God and there's a, there's a kind of sibling quality to all of us when we really have that cosmic perspective. But that's only possible for him because he renounced everything to do with this complex dynamic interaction that we have as civil society and social human life. So in my own wrestling with Francis, when I take him seriously, he becomes terrifying because he puts this radical question mark over everything over wh around which I spend most of my time doing, um, which Francis would call the rat race. Now, having appreciated Francis in all of his wild glory, um, I can't in conscience say we should all be like Francis. As even Francis said, you shouldn't all be like me. Um, there are a couple of things where Francis moderated even his own position. He had taken an extreme place because he needed to go there. And God called him there very clearly. But he was very clear to say that not everyone is called to this kind of life and not everyone should be called to this kind of life. And so he created his third order, the first order being his brothers, the second order being his sisters, the poor Clares, and then the third order was ordinary folks that were married, had kids, had jobs, lived in the towns. And you can be a Franciscan, he said, just live simply. That's it. You can still be a normal person, but 
but think of these values that have animated my whole life because you can incorporate them in your ordinary life too. Maybe not to the extreme level that I do, but as you incorporate them, you come closer to where I, Francis, have found holiness to be. Because holiness is not in the rat race. Holiness is not in the, you know, what you're going to eat and what you're going to drink and what you're going to wear and where you fit in society and are you going to move up to the next neighborhood and all that stuff. That's not where you're going to find holiness. Holiness is found in nature, in silence, in brotherhood and sisterhood with my fellow human beings regardless of their status. And this is where I get to one of the most challenging things about Francis, and I'm just going to leave it here because we need to we need to let Francis confront us and take it home with us. So I'm not going to resolve it for you. I'm going to let it sit with you as it sits with me. And that final thought is this. If Francis were alive today, he would be a homeless person. He would be on the street, living with the street people, being Francis. Because that is where Francis was called to be, a beggar someone that lives on the charity of others. And there's a point to that, that there's a point about where do you meet Christ? And Francis intended that point. That was part of his mission, where as he begged for his existence, he was showing the people that came by and saw him begging the opportunity to see Christ in him, but by extension to see Christ in all their brothers and sisters who had nothing and were in need. And if that doesn't terrify us, I don't know what will. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.